0: Welcome back to the Odessa First Assembly Podcast. I'm Tony, the Digital Ministry Manager here at OFA, and we're excited to bring you our new sermon series, Unless the Lord Builds the House. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring what it means to be a healthy church, how we can grow the kingdom of God, and what revival truly looks like in our lives and communities. We'll be diving deep into the Word of God to uncover the principles and practices that will help us build our spiritual homes on a strong foundation. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be challenged and inspired as we embark on this journey of growth and renewal together. Without further ado, here's Pastor Todd
1: Starnes with today's message
0: from "Unless the Lord Builds the House."
1: If you have your Bibles out, I don't know when we'll get there or if we'll get there, but we will. Uh, <laughs> if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there and have and have it ready. Um, is our key verse that we we've, we've been using is Psalm one twenty seven one, and also Habakkuk three two. If you don't know where Habakkuk is, it's in the Minor Prophets there, close to the end of the Old Testament. So, around there, I think there's Jonah, Nahum, all those, Micah, Malachi. I mean, Malachi. You know, there. Um, if you're Italian, it's Malachi. So. Um, Jamie did something for us uh, for the I Love My Church Fund. He's got these beanies with our lo- uh, with the logo of the church on it. And so see him about that. And all the money from these will go to our remodel. And so I'd ask him the other day. I was like, man, I need a new camo one for the blind. And so um, I got one now. I told him I was going to use it for advertisement purposes, but I'm going to keep it. All right. So... Uh, yeah, this week has been an interesting one for me. I don't know about you, uh, you know. I I spend probably, you know, I guess any given week, I, I spend about any any sermon that I preach. Um, I, I would say I easily spend about thirty hours on it, and that doesn't all happen in one week. But I, I would easily, I would, and I would, I would add to that that the week I preach it, I probably spend about eighteen hours in preparation and study. And that's kind of what it looks like for me. If you've ever wondered, you know, that's... And I I really am a believer in bringing fresh bread to the house. And so there's something about, you know, if you've you've ever... Anybody ever walk into a house and mom or grandmother was making fresh bread? Uh, Oh, yeah, get the butter now, you know? When I worked for Miss Barrett's, that was one of the hardest things when I was a delivery driver, a salesman for Miss Barrett's, because I'd walk into that warehouse, and, and the cellophane on the, on the bread would still be steamed up and puffed up from the heat. I mean, the bread hadn't even been cooled off yet, and it'd be, oh, it smells so good. And so I really um, believe that also spiritually, and so it's really important to me. And this week, early on, I really felt a shift, and it—I mean—it scared me and it worried me, and I'm still a little bit nervous, and that's the rarity for me. Um, I mean, I've—I've I've, I've had the privilege and honor of of speaking in some pretty large venues and crowds, and um, uh, and I've never really contended with being nervous or anything like that, but I just really wanted to share my heart, and so. I say that to say this, is that really every time I t- kind of try to go start write something or put something down, I just really chose to pray. And so I, I just kind of devoted that prep time that I normally do in research and study and, and all that kind of stuff just to seek the Lord and pray. And so hopefully this morning I get to share my heart in a way because I believe some exciting things are happening in our country, and I wanted to speak towards that and what excites me about this is that um, I have a knowledge base, a little bit of what's happening. And I want to share that with you uh, this morning, especially concerning revival. Before we do anything else, I, just, I want us to pray. And as soon as I pray, if we'll roll those clips back to back. Um, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and just your work in this house. And Lord, we do surrender. We surrender our will, our way, ourselves to you that you would just have your way in us in the service this morning. And so we pray once again, Lord, that we our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Starts now.
2: Good evening. I'm Larry Smith. Glad you're with us here on this Friday evening. What began as a routine chapel service at Asbury University has turned into something much bigger. Now people are coming from other cities and colleges to be a part of what's happening. Sean Moody explains in tonight's LDX 18 Big Story at 11.
3: On a Friday night at Asbury University. A chapel service doesn't really seem all that unusual for the people here tonight though this is something different
4: there's just like not even words to describe it
3: because it's not really a Friday service at all
4: we've been here 56 hours
3: This is what a 10 a.m. Wednesday service has become.
4: It just never stopped. People just never left, never went to class, never went to lunch, and um, then later, people started coming back to chapel.
3: Ava Miller's a freshman. She was here Wednesday morning when this started. She said when it ended at 11, people just kind of lingered and the band kept playing. Since then, people have come in and out continuously, keeping the service going. Administrators have brought in food and water for people says it's spread beyond Asbury's campus.
4: Last night we had people from Transylvania. We had people here from Asbury, of course, like UK. We had in the middle of the night a bus from Mount Vernon Nazarene College come down with just a bus, of of like a van of students that just came. Um, Ohio Christian University, there is a revival that's like breaking out there.
3: Administrators here say this kind of thing has happened a few times over the years. In February 1970, there was one that went on for 144 hours hours. However long it goes this time they hope it leaves an impact. And so our prayer is is that God will be honored and that students' lives would be changed, but all of our lives would be changed. In Wilmore, Sean Moody, LEX <laughs> 18 News.
2: A spiritual movement is what many say is happening at Asbury University right now. The event has been going nonstop since last Wednesday. WKYT's Chad Hedrick is live on Asbury's campus tonight. and Chad, I understand they've opened up even some overflow spaces there. Yeah, Bill and Amber, at one point two chapels here on campus had to be used for overflow spaces because Hughes Auditorium here behind me was so full and they were playing a live stream of what was going on inside. Thousands of people have come from all over the country to be here for this movement and see what's happening here in Wilmore. For students at Asbury University, what's happening this week on their campus, they can only describe as an act of God.
4: The last several days have uh, kind of blurred together. The passing of time is no longer a thing.
2: A service led by students that started on Wednesday, still going strong the following Monday, and no signs of ending.
4: Just our usual like service and... Praying and singing, and then it just didn't stop.
2: People are driving and even flying in from all over to witness and take part in this movement. Mississippi, Texas, New York, and even California.
4: A lot of people have asked me if it was manufactured or set up, and I would just say, like, I don't think you can manufacture freedom. I don't think that you can manufacture joy.
2: For the second night in a row, the main auditorium was so full, overflow spaces had to be created, but many choosing to stand outside the doors and listen
4: everybody wants to be in a community and everybody wants to be wanting the same thing so I mean it's crazy on the one hand but it also makes total sense
2: as for when this service might end some students say it won't ever be over just take on new life and meaning
4: Um, it will slow down and I think when it slows down I think there's gonna be like a huge commissioning and I think it's gonna be like this is great and this has like been a crazy awesome week but Um, The spirit that's here is like within believers and so when they go out it's not going to shrink like it's going to keep going and going and going.
2: And you can tell by me, the crowd has certainly thinned out some from what it was earlier this evening, just packed here on campus of people wanting to get in. But you can still hear them singing and praying inside the auditorium, so likely going to continue into that seventh day. Allison herself says she spent about 100 hours this week already here in the auditorium. Live in Wilmore, Chad Hedrick, WKYT. Chad, thank you. Classes went on as normal today on campus, but campus faculty and administrators are said to be
0: being very flexible.
1: <laughs> you know, and my goal this morning is not to focus, you know, on Asbury, but I, it's it brings up discussion, and um, I, you know, I, I think I posted earlier at some point. You know, it seems like like my social media feed is like half positive and half negative. You know, and and you know this just seems like par for the culture we live in now, you know we have a way to voice our opinion, whether we need to or not, but we'd like to voice our opinion and in social media format and so I just wanted to share this morning a little bit, and i I felt you know at first, I was like, well, you know do i pause, you know do we stop this series but I guess like, you know technically you know not that it really matters, but I feel like the verse that we've been in is still applicable to what I want to talk to you about this morning, in Psalm one twenty seven one, which is simply, "Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain." Because the reality is this: no, I mean, I, 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 there is a um, a, a foundational uh, life as believers that we live, and it's in, and, and I emphasize foundation because it really relates to everything. It relates to revival. It relates to how we impact the culture around us. It really relates to everything. And the best way I guess know to present that is that we simply are living out our reasonable form of service that, yes, we need to be fasting and praying. We need to be repentant. We need to be evangelizing we need to be witnessing we need to be tithing giving serving i mean we do all of those things because it's foundational of what we should be doing anyway that was a good place say amen Amen. and so regardless of a a a specific special outpouring i mean that that should be business as usual for us as the church and the way we live out life and so and like I said, so there's a lot of a lot of uh, discussion, and I think it's. And hope has any? Has, have you at least heard about it? Has anybody seen anything on social media about this? I have a, a, an acquaintance. I, I can't say friend, but acquaintance of mine. Um, that just through the years I've gotten to know. Um, he's the men's director at Gateway and the leader of Men's Summit. His name is James Lee, and uh, he got to go this weekend. And uh, his reports, I really enjoyed reading about him. Um, Because now this weekend, it's really, it's amped up so much. But one of the things he said is that it took them, when they got there, they got on campus, they had to walk 20 minutes to find the end of the line to get into the chapel. And he said, we waited eight hours in line in 30-degree weather to get in the facility. And so that alone should tell us that there's something different than normal. And so, I, I, you know, I try to write some notes, I want, you know, because I didn't want to just chase rabbit trails. But, um, you know, the, the, the reality is this, is that a lot of people ask the question, I mean, what is revival? All healthy questions, what is revival? I mean, what does revival look like? How do you get revival in this context? Um, and why are people flocking there? And that seems to be like the biggest criticism, I think, is like we should be having this ourselves where we are. Why do you have to go and find it? And I I think it's a valid question, and I don't think it's like necessarily a negative question, but here's what I do know is that we work really hard do all that we can to get every kid we can to camp. And why do we do that? Because they experience God in a way that they don't normally experience God. Are you following me? And so that, that's, one, that's one way to look at that. And so, you know, scripture tells us, Psalm 63, 8, this is the verse, matter of fact, that we have named um, Chase after. This is we, his, his name Chase comes from this verse out of the King James. I don't know, it's I, I, it's been a long time since I like shared a verse out of the King James, but his name comes from the King James um, version of this verse, Psalm 63, 8. And it says, my soul followeth hard after thee. And that's kind of, kind of what it comes down to. Another favorite verse of mine is Psalm um, 84, 2. And it talks about that my heart and my flesh Sing for joy. This, there should be some kind of stirring and hunger on us for more of God, Amen. regardless of a news story about a revival, which I'm, just so you know, I'm all for, and I know this week I was really, I was really trying to make plans that uh, I really regret I didn't go this last week. And so I was kind of making plans to go spring break. I don't know their plans for this at on the college there, I do know Wednesday they're talking about some shifts and change, the way they're going to do some things. But I know that if there's any kind of special service during spring break, I'm going. You're, you're welcome to go with me if you want to go, but I'm going. And, and you'll understand more why in just a moment. And so kind of really, I guess, more what I want to talk about is why do people go? Why are they flocking to something like this? How do we get it? and what it is. So maybe I can give some, is this okay that we're going this direction? I, if there was a time I'm shooting from the hip, it's right now, just so you know. And so, um, I, and, and the way that I want to do that is I kind of want to share my own story a little bit. I had some different Facebook posts from people I wanted to share, but um, you can look those up yourself. And I, I don't want to really take the time to get deep in that. But there was one, a few things that one guy said that really stuck out to me. Um, His name is, uh, I have it here, hold on a second. His name is Madison Pierce is his name. But he had some thoughts that really leapt out at me, and here's a couple of them. He said, uh, this was his experience being there on the campus, a tangible sense of peace for a generation... With unprecedented anxiety. I thought that was a great description of what's happening there. A tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative, a restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness. An authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. And the reason why those things stick out to me because I think it accurately describes the younger generation that surrounds us. And here's what something I believe when there's an outpouring and a revival is that God does what's needed and the generation and what they need when it's needed. Did you follow me? And so, if you go through, if you're a student of revival, if you go through the great awakenings, if you go through Azusa Street, if, I mean, I mean, for the Jesus movement, and if you go from now all the way through history, what you find is every major revival that has happened that garnered any kind of attention, it always started with young people. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I loved preaching that. Because I, then I was one of them. I'm not so much. I know to some of you, I, you know, at 50, I'm you know may still be like a teenager, but I, I don't feel like a teenager anymore. Just so you you know what I mean. And and so I, but I still say that, knowing that any major thing that has ever happened and, and what's happened in Asbury is key, has kept with that. Are you with? Are you are you following me? Okay. So, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you just from my heart of my own testimony. Can I do that? Amen. So, um, you guys know my salvation, my lifestyle before, how God, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about that. If you're new or haven't heard that, I, you'll, you'll hear it eventually. I'm, I'm very open about it. And what, matter of fact, this last week, I was with Chase and took him to Midland to get some pa- passport stuff taken care of, and I took him to the spot in the apartment complex where god got a hold of me and i said chase it was that spot right there i remember that that's something that's a pillar in my life of where god changed my life and we need those we do i I know that there's a lot of people that are very against like uh, experiential um encounters with god and and uh but i'm gonna tell you we as humanity we need those moments we need those moments. And so, and so I was thinking back, and so I, I want to take you back to 1996. So I'm a youth pastor in 1996, and I'm, I'm youth pastoring in Monaghan's at the First facility of God Church in Monahans, And we were a small church. We were a struggling church. I mean, on a good Sunday, we would have about maybe 25, 30 people. And, um, but I, you know, I love the Lord, but I was at a place, I mean, I, I was just like, Really, what's the point? Why well, am I doing this? And I had a great job with Miss Beards. I was making really, really, really good money. And, um, and so I went through this season that I was like, you know, maybe I should step back from ministry. Maybe, you know, maybe the, you know, I'll serve the church. I'll go to church. I'll love the Lord. I'll give. I'll, you know, I'll be there, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm going through this. But while I'm going through this, my, some of the students in my youth group, and I say we are a church of 35, and 15 of them were my youth group, I mean. If that'll give you some indication. And so, but some of the students came to me and they were like, they're like, Pastor Todd, we want to, um, we want to uh, start having a prayer meeting. I'm like, sure. It's like, they said, and for whatever reason, they said, we want to come to your house on Monday nights and have a prayer meeting. And I'm like, okay, I'm for it. Whatever, let's do it, you know. And so they started coming over to the house on Monday nights. And, and even though it was like all 15 of them that kind of came in, you know, it was like two of them showed up at prayer. And uh, that's okay. But so there, we're coming together, and you know, sometimes it'd be three, four, five, whatever. And so we're praying, and so in the middle of the kind of this is going on, we're praying, and God really kind of, really shows up, and the students that are that are organized this, they begin to physically manifest in ways that I was like, okay, you guys are weird. I mean, really, I mean, you know, some some trembling. I mean, some, some shaking, and I don't want to go into all the details of that kind of thing, but I mean, there was a visible, something visibly was happening to them, and it, it weirded me out. I mean, I grew up in Pentecost, and even, and you know, God kind of here in just to, what I'm about to get into really rocked my world. And so I'm going through this, we're having this prayer meeting. Um, I'm working for Miss Barrett's, and I'll never forget it. I was caught in a lockdown at the prison in Fort Worth. And if you don't know what that is, I mean, there was something that happened, and so they locked the prison down, and I'm stuck there in the prison yard, waiting to get out after I delivered the commissary. My former youth pastor calls me, Phil McGeech, who's now in Lubbock, our men's director, he calls me, and he was still there on staff at Midland First. He's like, hey, he's like, we have this evangelist, you need to get here. I'm like, okay, I'll try to get there, whatever. And so, you know, and I, I said, yeah, I'll try. And a little bit later, after I finally got out of the lockdown, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Fort Stockton like at four o'clock in the afternoon. Service starts at seven. I got to get back to Monaghan's and all that, you know, something. And so, I'm th- so I'm, I was like, feel like I call him up and I'm like, feel like I, I'm not going to be able to be there. And he's like, okay. He's like, you need to try to come though. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And so I get home and I, I jump in the shower. And, I mean, we're talking, this is now like 530. I'm in Monahan's. service is in Midland. And I mean the Holy Spirit will not let me go. I mean, He's got a hold of me. And I, I mean, finally, I mean, I was like, you know, there, and I, I was like, fine, God, I'll go. You know, I mean it's kind of the attitude I had I was like, I'll go, leave me alone, you know. And so I drive over to Midland and I go to the service. And I walk in and I walk of late and I walk in right when the evangelist is taking the platform. And I walk into the back of the doors of the church, and as soon as I walk in the doors, the speaker's right here, and he looks, he says, hey, you, I just came in, come up here and sit down. And I, you know, he didn't know me very well. And I mean, I was like, uh, don't think so. He's like, get down here. He's like, you know, if you don't get, I'm gonna get somebody to help you to get down here. And I was like, okay, fine, now we're in a spectacle, you know. And so I did, I front row, sat down right here. And so he steps out the platform, and he begins to preach a sermon based on 1 Corinthians 2.9. For eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor is there in the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He preached that entire sermon in a sanctuary that probably had 150 people in it standing right in front of me. He never moved. He didn't pace the platform. He didn't pace the front of the church. And if you've ever been to First, it's a it's First, it's a sanctuary of size. And he stands right in front of me and preaches the entire sermon. And I'm like, this guy, I mean, I'm thinking all kinds of things. This guy's crazy. He's a weirdo. Who does he think he is? You know, just my mind's going nuts, you know. And so then he gives the altar call. And then he says this. And I, I need to hurry this along a little bit. But he says, um, uh, is it already that late? I'm just going to go as long as I need to. So if you need to go, I understand. Um, and so he so he gives the altar call, and people respond. And I'm like, why are people responding? He was standing right in front of me the whole time. But people respond, and then he's, he does this number. He's like, there's somebody that hadn't responded that's supposed to. He's still standing right in front of me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I, I grab, I'm like, I'm not going. And he's, he's, there's, there's somebody that, I mean, he's looking right at me while he's saying, he's like, there's somebody that's supposed to be up here that's not up here yet. And it, I mean, if you know me well by now, I mean, this is, I mean, my personality, I'm like, you think you're going to make me, uh, you know, <laughs> and so, but I did finally, I responded. I go up. And so, I mean, and, and that was the first moment of all my years of Pentecost that somebody read my mail exactly where I was. Let me tell you what he said. He said, you're debating about leaving ministry. He said, you have a good job at Miss... This guy doesn't know me. He says, you have a good job at Miss Barrett's. And you think you can still serve God and give your tithe and serve the church where they need you. But that's not what God has prepared for you. He said, I preach this sermon because you have no idea. Your eyes not seen, ears not heard. You haven't even dreamt of what God's got prepared for you. And then I'm thinking... He knows all the bad thoughts I just thought about him. I mean, it's exactly what I thought. <laughs> and then I'm like, no more bad thoughts, no more bad thoughts, no more bad thoughts. I, I mean, I'm, I'm being truthful. And so, I mean, in those waves that the Holy Spirit started his coming, and um, even in that moment, I was so resistant, and I mean, I just felt like I was getting weak and and his hand was on me, but... And I thought to myself, I thought, he's going to push me down. I had never experienced what it was to be slain in the spirit or to go out under the power or anything like that. And, and so I'm standing there, and, and, uh, and, you know, and his hand's on me. And I, So I think to myself, this guy's going to push me down and make me think it's God. And I open my eyes, and he looks at me, and he takes his hand off, and he takes a step back. And the next thing I know, I'm going to have a meeting with the Lord. I didn't know I had gone out and fell out. But that's what happened, and I heard the voice of the Lord. He spoke to me, and he said, "I revealed all that to him." He's speaking truth to you, and so I have this God moment that I'll never forget. So I get up, you know. From that moment, I realized I went out, you know, and I'm sitting on the front row, and I'm sitting there, and and he asked something he asked very specifically was no music, and so. I'm sitting there, and, uh, and, and well, actually the pastor's wife came up the platform over, and, and I thought to myself, I thought, he asked specifically for no one to do anything, and especially there'd be no music. And he's sitting right here, I'm sitting there, and he leaps up from those steps and said, you're exactly right, that's exactly what I said. I'm like, this guy is not stopping. <laughs> I mean, it was the creepiest the most holy thing I'd ever experienced. And he said, hey, come here. And so there was this couple praying. He said, I want to show you something. And then he comes over, and we start praying for this couple. So I'm going to speed this up a little bit. And so we start praying for this couple, and he keeps telling me, you give them God. I was like, I don't even understand what that means, man. He's like, you give them God. And I, so I, you know, I go to pray for them, and, and they start getting weak-kneed and, and swaying. And it, I'm like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. And I, I mean, I literally back up like this. He's like, no, you need to pray for them. And so I stepped forward, I prayed for him, and man, they go under the power of God is so beautiful. And we're standing there, and I know that nobody else saw it, but in my mind's eye, and, and what I only described was in the spirit, I saw a cloud form over the top of him. And he looks at me, and he says, you see it, don't you? I said, yeah, I do see that. And this cloud lifts, and, it, it, and we're on this side of the church, and it lifts, and we, I follow it. And it, then it goes and it, 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 it goes around someone else. And he looks at me and says, what do you think we should do? I said, well, I guess we go pray for that guy. <laughs> and he said, yes, let's go. And something happened in that moment that changed my life forever. And so I come home trying to process, and a lot more happened. And so I come, I go back to Monahan's, we're having our prayer meeting, and I'm still battling this discouragement, but I just had this spiritual encounter that just turned my world upside down. During this time, my pastor that I worked for went to Houston on vacation, and then he comes back, and it's late Saturday, and he says, hey, he's like, come over to the house, I got something I want to show you. And I'm like, okay. And so I go over to his house, and he has these VHS tapes. Amen. Is there a few in the house that remember those? He has VHS tapes of an outpouring that was happening in Pensacola, Florida, at Brownsville Assembly of God. And so he, he, he's like, You got to see this. One of them was testimonies of people being baptized, one of them was a specific testimony of two girls that got to change their life. And uh, I can't say that I really felt anything or anything really spoke to me, anything like that. I can't say I felt anything. But he said this. He's like, I think we're gonna, I'm going to show this Sunday morning. I'm like, sure, let's do it. Go ahead. You know. And um, so that's what we did. So the next Sunday morning, we, we show those videotapes. And without any call, without any prompting, without, any, without a preacher, without one of us saying anything, one of my students who I will say... Was one of the most sinful-natured, controlled people that I had ever met in my life. Trying to be her youth pastor, she gets up, and I mean, I mean, doesn't run. I mean, you know, I mean, like, I mean, breakneck run to the altar is on this side of the church, and she comes and just plops down, and and so I'm like, well, I'm gonna do the youth pastor thing. I'm gonna go pray for her, and so I'm praying for you know the ceiling there. Really oblivious, to anything going on. And, and, and invest a great deal of time praying with her, and then I stand up and the entire and, and granted, it, I mean it's like 30, 35 of us, but every person in the church was either on their face. I mean on the, I mean, it just wasn't like your normal just kneel down in prayer. I mean, people confessing sin out loud, weeping, crying, wailing. I mean it. It was like anything I had never really seen before, even my experiences at camp. And kind of in that moment, I look at our pastor and I said, There's something happening here that's different. And so I, I, after, I went, we went till about two that morning, and everybody stayed. We're talking noon to two in the morning. And he says, We're going we're to do this. He said, I don't know what it is, but we're going to do it again tonight. And what happened in that little church in Monahans is we went into a six month season of having services four and five nights a week. And, and the stories of the glory of God and the presence of God. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on. I mean, I really could. And so. When this thing happens in Asbury, I'm gonna tell you, I know a little bit of what's happening there. In the midst of all this, we finally get the opportunity, and I get to go to Brown, I take a I hop on a charter bus and I get to go to Brownsville. And so we go. And of course, people criticize that. People going, and we did. We, I mean, we were there for a week, waited in line, all we got there at five in the morning waiting in line till like 5.36 in the afternoon to get into the church, did all camped out tents. I mean, think about it. To get in church, did all of that, experienced all of that. But when we got there, what happened was like a 20-hour trip turned out to be like a 35-hour trip. I mean, it was just, it was just racked with problems. But we get there like, you know, we're supposed to get, get there that morning, but we get there that night. And I tell the leader of the group, I was like, I still want to go. Like, everybody's dead tired. I was like, I'm still going. Like, I'm going to go. Whether the bus can take me, I get a taxi, however I get there, I'm going. He's like, well, let's see who wants to go. And so there was a group of us that still went. And so we get there, and I walk into that church in Pensacola. And all that we had experienced in our own church, I'm going to tell you, it was like exponential times 100. That's the only way I can describe it. And so we get there at altar call, and altar call's happening, and there was a young lady by the name of Charity. Is it Ch- Charity was she sang Mercy Seat. Maybe some of you remember that song or whatever. And so she's right in, just starting to sing, and I'm in the stairwell walking up to get to the balcony because some people got mad and left. And so normally you couldn't sit in the sanctuary. And I get about five steps up. She starts singing, singing and, I mean, I can't go forward. I mean, I start going backwards down the stairs. I mean... The overwhelming sense of the presence of the Lord was nothing I have experienced, even after what we had experienced in our own church. And so I say all of that. I, I, I share that. And, and like I said, for time I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be very quick, very precise, I'm, at least I hope. But here's, here's really the meat of what I want to get to you about, is that when we hear the word term revival... What we do, we process that according to our own experience. And probably the far majority of us, I would say that our experience is what? A Sunday through Wednesday thing. You know, evangelist comes in Sunday through Wednesday. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with calling that revival. That I'm not harping on that by any means of imagination. But I'm going to tell you, So, because here's what happens as people say, well, just have it. Just do it. I'm gonna, you, can, you can do a revival like that, but I'm going to tell you, you can't when it comes. There, there's an outpouring that God is doing and wants to do that you just can't do. It's a divine encounter with, with the holiness of God. And so, yes, yeah, so what we do to get revival is what we should be doing Anyway is living in repentance and having a penitent life and, and living surrendered and, and, and living fully and holy as disciples, reproducing disciples and, and witnessing and sharing our faith and giving and tithing. That's what we should be doing anyway. And that is what you do to experience a significant outpouring of the presence of the Lord. You, you when, when God pours out like that, here's the terminology, right? Is that you can... You, You hold revival about like you can hold a hurricane. Now we can choose to have special extended services and God can move and do great things, but that's not what this is. And that's why people are loading up on buses and planes to go experience it. Because it's different than doing it on your own or trying to reproduce it, which you can't. And so yeah, there are things biblically and I, I, I'm kind of pr- thinking about maybe going through those things of things that mark revival of repentance and deliverance and all those things are happening in Asbury. They, they, uh, all the earmarks of what you would say what revival is, it's, it's, it is happening there. But here's where I'm hoping that some of us are. Even as I talk about this, there, there's a 10 there's a 10 80 10 rule when it comes to church people. You, you didn't know there was a statistic about you, did you? So whenever anything is ever presented, there's 10% of the people in attendance that are like, what is this guy talking about? And I, I don't say that as a negative I'm not, or making fun or anything like that, but there's 10% they're like, I don't even know what he's saying. There's a 10% I know more than he does. <laughs> this is true. And and. I kind of want to speak to that just for a second. Just because you are proficient and expert in area X doesn't mean you are in Y. But we tend to perceive things that way. But anyway, that's, that's, that's one of those things that... Maybe I shouldn't have said. Okay. So, so there, there's, and there's 80% that are like, yes. And so whether it happened before because of reports... Or it's happening now, what my hope, what my prayer has been is that there's a majority of us, even right now, you sense something different in the depth of your spirit. There's a new hunger. There's a new stirring, there's something shifting, maybe it's a queasy feeling, maybe it's an unknown but expectation feeling, but there's something different happening on the inside of you. And I just want you to know this morning, that's where revival is birthed. That's where the hunger for that outpouring to be poured out. That's where it comes from. When you can be in that moment and say, okay, God, I mean, we just prayed it. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to feel like. I don't know what's going to be the after effect. All I know is I need you now. I need you now. I don't need church as normal. I need you. I need you now. We've had lots of discussions this week in our home, and they, I feel like they've been really, really good discussions. I feel like some of them I wish I had recorded. I thought, man, that, man, if I could get that out there, where did that even come from, you know, some of those things? And it's like, man, I, sometimes I sound smarter than I know I really am. And so I don't know, I don't know where you are, but here, here's what I know, is that to me what marks and, and even the purpose, listen, We came into this church now almost 10 years ago. I'm going to tell you that all the years of ministry before we got here, we saw God do some absolutely amazing things. I've talked about it sometimes, about what we've seen God do. I'm talking medical, verifiable verifiable things we've seen God do, congestive heart failure, healed we, we saw a, a lady with lupus healed. A young lady that had a birth defect of a hole through the side of her tongue all the way through. It wasn't a piercing, it was a genetic defect. caused her lots of problems, but she could stick her tongue out and almost put her finger all the way through her tongue. Right in front of us, God healed her. We've seen, uh, we were on a missions trip and, and, uh, uh, the, the pastor's mother had, a, had a, uh, such invasive, massive gallbladder uh, tumors, her, her body was deformed because of it. Saw God shrink it and completely heal her. We've seen people, I'm gonna, during the, the time in Monahans when God poured out like that, I'm going to tell you, we saw. I mean, there's some crazy, I mean, things happen that I was always very critical of. I was always very critical of the whole laughing thing. I mean, that was kind of time frame. There was some national evangelists going around, and I mean, it seemed really, contra- I mean, just fake and just manipulated, and, and I mean, you may not remember that or even knew about that, but it was like this laughing thing going on, and to me, it was it's like a mockery, and, and maybe it was or wasn't, but I learned, he's like, you know what, if it is or not, whatever, God will take care of all that. He's big enough to do it. But I know what we experienced, a young lady, a pastor's daughter coming forward for prayer and where God was moving so mightily and about six, six or seven of her friends that come pray with her and she comes come forward and she just opens up and says, I've, I've really, I'm just, I just don't think about suicide. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. I'm gonna carry this out. But I thought I'd give God one more chance. And so I pray for her. And man, she buckles on the power of God, just collapses. And she's laying there. And, and after a moment of just what she could tell was grieving and, and just pain coming out from her and in the form of, of crying and weeping. She starts laughing. But it wasn't a fake laugh, it wasn't a forced laugh. It was like a deep down belly thing and, and so she's laughing and her sister's right next to her and kind of looks at her like really surprised. I mean, I did too because something's happening I didn't believe could happen. And uh, She's looking at her and, and she goes to pray for her and touch her and she touches her and she goes out on the power of God. And the rest of their friends, and so when she went out, and it was very crowded, I mean it was like bodies laying on bodies, it was unreal, but it caused a domino effect of her and all of her friends. And it's like, you know, just by accident, that hand would go over and it was a bam, 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 bam. And they all go out of the power, and they're all laughing. And I think only God could do that. That's the medicine of the Holy Spirit. And so I know that many of us in this room, you've had divine encounters with the Lord. Whether it be at camp, whether it was in the other building when it was a sanctuary right over here, you, you have moments, you have moments you can recall of where you knew that it was extraordinary as something that God was doing. I celebrate those moments. But if I so may say, that's not the outpouring that we're talking about. And it's so hard to gauge and to judge if you haven't experienced what I am talking about. Because it's so different than anything we've ever experienced. And what I'm hoping is this. Regardless of something. I was thinking last night, what if God did do it here? Like, I really have never thought about it like this. And I, I was up here last night. I was kneeling right here, and I was praying, and I thought, I wonder how much toilet paper we'd have to buy. <laughs> I, 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 start, I, I did. I was like, okay, God, if something were even to happen tomorrow, what, what about nursery? What about worship team? I mean, I just started processing and, and, and thinking along that line, and listen, I, I don't want to I don't want to manipulate anything into happening. Did all this make sense this morning? Yes. All I'm asking is that we be open. All I'm asking that we be open. Because if God were to do an outpouring like that here, it probably wouldn't look like Asbury. It wouldn't look like Pensacola. It wouldn't look like Toronto. It wouldn't look like Kansas City. It wouldn't look like Baton Rouge or, or you know, through history, where, it, you know, we're, we're, or, or, or Azusa Street for that matter. But I know this with history as our teacher. If I was alive during the early 1900s and I heard about Azusa Street, I horse and carriage, train or bus, I would have gotten to that mission. I would have gotten there. And so people that are flocking to Kentucky, Wilmore, to experience this, I would say I envy them more than I judge them. I want to ask you to stand this morning. Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly
0: podcast. If you've enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at OdessaFirstAG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 10.30 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly Podcast.